This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sowers, filling in for Sean Kelly, who is in Memphis, Tennessee, getting ready for Pelicans and Grizzlies from the FedEx Forum. We'll hear from Sean later on in our show. But of course, we got a great show for you on this Wednesday, previewing Saints and Vikings NFC Divisional Round on Sunday, 340 from U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Remember, these two teams met in week one on Monday Night Football in Minnesota with the Vikings winning 29-19. to But I think it's safe to say that both these teams look a little different from their Week 1 matchup, especially since the quarterback for the Vikings is a little different. No Sam Bradford. It is now Case Keenum. So we're going to begin our preview of Saints and Vikings today as uh, this is a game that features uh, two teams, the Saints, that are the uh, only team that have top three total offenses in the last two seasons against the Vikings, who have been the only team to have two top three defenses in the last two seasons. Those two worlds will collide on Sunday and should be a great matchup in Minnesota. Luckily for anyone involved in that game, it will be played indoors because the high temperature, I believe, on Sunday is minus one. And I don't think that even deserves to say that's the high temperature because there's nothing high about minus one. So hopefully you all stay warm. All those fans going up there, please stay warm, bundle up. And uh, bring a lot of warm clothing, some long johns, and get ready for a good game. But we're going to help you get ready for that game today. We'll get a national perspective on the game from Diana Rossini, who covers the NFL for ESPN, reporter, studio host, insider, you name it. She does it, and it seems like she's established residency here in New Orleans because she seems to get the uh, assignments of Saints games all season long. So we'll talk to her about that and get her thoughts on the win against Carolina and the upcoming game against the Minnesota Vikings. We'll also get a Minnesota perspective on today's game or on Sunday's game, excuse me, with Eric Smith, Vikings reporter for Vikings.com. We heard from him in week one as well, and we wanted to get his thoughts leading up to Saints and Vikings on Sunday. And funny thing about having Diana Rossini on, the last time we had her on the Black and Blue Report was on October 18th. And that's when the Pelicans opened up the season at Memphis. And, of course, today now we have her uh, on the show the same day that the Pelicans are at Memphis. Yes, it's the Pelicans and the Grizzlies from the FedEx Forum tonight. Pelicans 20-19 looking for two in a row after they squeaked by the Detroit Pistons on Monday night, 122-119. to It's a game that saw Anthony Davis leave the game with that right ankle sprain. He is listed as doubtful for tonight's game against the Minnesota for the against the Memphis Grizzlies. Amari combining Minnesota and Memphis against the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. And we'll get official word later on in the day from head coach Alvin Gentry. But of course, since it is Wednesday, we will hear from David Wesley of Fox Sports New Orleans. And of course we'll probably be hearing from them in a coffee shop since they are they are on the road. So enough babbling from me. It's time to get to today's show as we get ready for Sunday's game at 340 between the Saints and the Vikings. We'll start with Diana Rossini, then go with Eric Smith, and then we'll end the show with some Pelican stock with Sean Kelly and David Wesley. We'll be back in the next 30 seconds. Boom! 
Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Let's begin our Saints-Vikings preview with someone who I think spends more time in New Orleans than anyone else I know, Diana Rossini, NFL Insider, studio host, and reporter for ESPN. Diana, first off, I'm assuming you've purchased a house or a condo of some sort since you've been here every weekend, I feel like, during the NFL season. I like to look at it as I only go down to New Orleans when the Saints need a win. Because I'm undefeated right now when I've covered the state, so I'm pretty psyched about it. But no, I, I have not yet purchased a house, uh, although I definitely considered looking for an apartment because you're right, I spend uh, a lot of time in, in, in what has now become my favorite city in the country, without a doubt. You're home away from home, I would say. Yes, it is. All right. Also, if you need to take a pee break during this interview, Diana, let me know. I don't want to, you'd have to pull a Sean Payne and ask me when the interview is going to end. So if you need that break, just let me know. Hopefully, I won't keep you too long, though. Uh, poor coach. You know, he gave us a lot of time uh, on a Friday when, when you know, we, we all know how much coaches are prepping for, for games. And what I thought was a reasonable amount of time, you know, a couple, maybe five to ten questions. Uh, obviously with a little too much for coach, but he was great about it. And, you know, I thought, uh, I thought he gave a great interview about what this year has been. Uh, you know, we touched on a lot of different topics that didn't even make the air. Um, yeah. things, things like Adrian Peterson and that whole situation, what happened there and why they made those decisions to, uh, you know, how Bill Parcells has really become the strongest voice in his head in terms of, of how he approaches so much both on the field and off the field. I think five to ten questions is fairly reasonable. As someone who has to ask questions myself, I think five to ten is, is right in that range there. So I'm with you there. I know. I know. I wasn't even asking hard ones either. So a little thoughtful about Well, I'm on Team Rossini, that's for sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's first start with last weekend when you were here. Take me through your thoughts as this game was progressing. I want to get your reaction, one, on the crowd from Sunday, because I know it was very loud inside the Superdome, and also uh, the type of game that you were expecting between these two divisional opponents. Well, it was incredible in terms of the atmosphere. Uh, I was actually just talking to some family members of mine yesterday trying to sell the Superdome to them because they're, they're kind of tough New Yorkers who love their Jets, and they don't want to go anywhere else but watch their Jets. Which, who, who wants to see that? But they do. Um, but the, the atmosphere was the obvious words that we used to describe it. Yes, electric and exciting and loud. But I think just especially towards the end of the fourth quarter when, when – Really, the Panthers looked like they were they were building that momentum. The reaction, well, first of all, the silence in that dome was unbelievable, considering how much how many people were in there and how loud that music was. Because obviously, when the offense has the ball, the crowd goes, you know, the crowd hushes down. I thought that was really cool to, to hear how quiet it was. But I also think there was a level of paranoia and fear from the fans of. What are we doing? Why are we going for it? And can we really do this? Um, so the, the atmosphere w- was spectacular and exceptional and, and probably one of the best. It ranks up there with the win against the Redskins this year, I'd say, in terms of just the vibe after the victory. It was, it was so much fun. 
to discover a game. I'm not even a fan, and I, I could feel the excitement. Um, but in terms of what I expected, I mean, I really felt that the Panthers did such a good job of defending the run, and I didn't think that they could. And I think that's probably where I underestimated the Panthers' ability to prepare for the Saints, knowing that they were going to see them for the third time, and they've got so much tape now on Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara that it actually makes a lot more sense now that we can look back on it. Well, we, we certainly could expect them to, to slow them down. I didn't think that they would stop it, though. And I think that's sort of what uh, threw, me, threw me off a bit. But at the same time, the, the, the Drew Brees factor is always going to be the part of this team that is never going away. And it's something that I know the Minnesota Vikings are preparing for because they, they certainly learned something from watching the, the Panthers from already talking to guys in the Vikings. Those guys, that, that, that dynamic duo made up of Ingram and Kamara, they are stoppable because the Panthers just did it. But now you got to handle and deal with Drew Brees. Um, so I, that, if you were to ask me what the biggest takeaway was, it, was, it would be the fact that the Panthers had that ability to stop what I think has been the, the, the part of this offense that carried New Orleans this whole year. Um, but out comes, you know, soon-to-be 39-year-old Drew Brees keeping his head out like, don't forget about me, everyone. Everyone tries to forget about him, but there's no doubt about it that Breeze certainly has a lot left in the tank. Let's look ahead to those divisional games, uh, not not only Saints-Vikings, but all of them around the NFL. But in your eyes, is Saints-Vikings the best matchup of the weekend? Oh, yeah. I think hands down it is. Um, I actually don't have that game this weekend, and I'm so bummed out. Um, I'm psyched to get the Patriots. I got the Titans-Patriots game, but I think that that's going to be – the, the best game, the, the best matchup. Um, you know, you're talking about the best defense in the game uh, going up against one of the, the most potent offenses uh, right there. And, and what we just discussed, too, I'm so interested. Like, I'm actually curious to see what this Viking team is going to present to New Orleans to, to try to stop them, knowing they got that double threat. Um, and the fact that New Orleans is such a different team than what Minnesota was when they faced each other in week one. I think you know, you're always going to go back to saying, all right, well, what do they do when they played each other? But everything is so different now from injuries to the roster to, to just even the momentum that New Orleans has built. The defense of, of the Saints is also so different. And we saw that change after they lost to New England at home and then went to Charlotte and played the Panthers. And it was like, what, what just happened here? And it's funny. It's something I talked to the coach about in our interview. What changed? And – Dennis Allen really tied it down. He figured out what was going to work for the team. And that I still think that that was the game, not to use that play on word, but the game changer of the season was that game against the Panthers in week three. And I'm not sure if – I, I, I'm curious to see if Minnesota's going to get caught in their heels because New Orleans is so different now. What's crazy to me is when you think about looking back at that week one – and looking at now with the Vikings is their starting quarterback, which is Sam Bradford, not playing in this game. It's Case Keenum. Starting running back Dalvin Cook, not there. It's Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon in the backfield for Minnesota. Is it crazy to see the Vikings even at this point, knowing that you have a different starting quarterback and running back from week one? Yeah, everything has changed for them. I mean, not so much for the Saints in terms of what they've been doing. They just been, what they're doing now is just better. I'd say probably the biggest addition the Saints have had is on the coaching staff, which adding Mike West off his special teams because um, the top three now in the league are leading our kickoff returns. 
um, which is incredible since Mike Westhoff joined. Uh, but, yeah, no, to, to see how different the Vikings are going to look to for the Saints is, is going to provide tons of problems. But, you know, I'm thinking, too, just the fact that the Saints are coming off this awesome win at home, going out to Minnesota, all amped up, ready to go, and the Vikings haven't played. I think I think there could be a small little advantage. Brenda, they got that rest, and that's always going to be something that teams are going to want and need and, and, and use. But um, I'll, I'll take the momentum of victory over the rest at this point in the season. I agree. I think those wild card teams have the advantage of having that momentum that they've been able to play one week in the playoffs already. So good point there. Um, I also think the theme of this weekend's games are the matchups at quarterback. You have four quarterbacks who have very little playoff experience. Then you have four quarterbacks who have been to the Super Bowl. Can that be the difference in those four teams advancing to the conference championships? 100%. 100%. I think anytime we talk about the power of a team, it always comes back down to the quarterback. Even when we're talking about some coaching hires and firings, and you know, the, the most common thing you hear from coaches that are up for jobs is, you know, I want to go to a team with a quarterback, and that's going to make the difference, and the experience is going to make the difference. And not that I want to call out the Rams because they had a tremendous year, and what Sean McVay did with Jared Goff is incredible. Uh, and no doubt he should be up for coach of the year for, for being able to, to get that. But I think that was a great example of, of youthfulness and inexperience and, and how that can come back to bite you. And I think the quarterbacks that have that experience are, are going to be the ones that, that carry you to these weird, often, often difficult situations that you look back on the playoffs all the time and go, remember that? That was wild. Uh, you know, and, and look what we got this Saturday night with Marcus Mariota going up against Tom Brady. Um, talk about the tale of two different types of quarterbacks in terms of not just their style, but their age. Um, you know, and then I was thinking about this as well. You got Dick LeBeau, Dick LeBeau, the defensive coordinator, who's 80 years old. <laughs> not really. I think he's 79. Oh, no, he's 80, actually. He is 80. He is 80. He's 80. He's 80. Going up against the oldest quarterback in the league. Uh, at least trying to stop the oldest quarterback in the league, in Tom Brady. Um, so I think that's kind of fun to, to, to look at that matchup and, that's you know, something I'm, I'm going to be talking to Coach LeBeau this week about. I want to find out what was the first playoff game he coached in. What year was that? I bet you you and I weren't born yet. No, definitely not. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. It should be a fun weekend around the NFL, all four games, and that's Diana Rossini, NFL studio host, reporter, and insider for ESPN. Diana, I appreciate the time as always. And, hey, since you say you're undefeated here in New Orleans, maybe we'll see you next weekend here if it's the Saints and the Falcons in the NFC Championship. I think you should come on down. I'm not booking a trip yet. But let me tell you, I if I told you I haven't thought about it, I'd be lying to you. I have certainly thought about it, and, I, man, I, I hope to get back down there. Uh, we hope to see you. That's Diana Rossini from ESPN and ESPN.com. Up next, we'll get a Minnesota perspective on Sunday's game with Eric Smith of Vikings.com. Stay with us. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us. The neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. 
Here's Daniel Sellerson. Let's continue our preview of Saints-Vikings with a Minnesota perspective on Sunday's game. Joining me now is Eric Smith, who covers the Vikings for Vikings.com. Eric, it's nice to talk to you again, especially since we're doing so, talking about these teams meeting in a divisional round. We are, yeah. It's exciting. It's a, it's a busy time of the year, but it's, it's a fun time of year. And Yeah, you're right. We, we talked earlier, but that feels like it was a long, long time ago. It does seem like it was it was a long time ago, and that's because it was week one uh, when the Vikings beat the Saints on Monday Night Football. The funny thing is, I feel like a lot has changed for both teams since that game in Minnesota, don't you think? Oh, most definitely, yeah. I mean, especially from our side, you know, we're gonna we we have a different quarterback. Obviously, Sam Bradford was the starter in week one; he got hurt. Uh, we have a different running back. Dalvin Cook was the starter in week one; he got hurt. And now we're riding with Case Keenum and kind of a combination running game. Um, you know, and I think I think it just teams naturally evolve over the year, and and both teams have definitely changed. Um, but I think I think it's going to be a great game on Sunday. Should be a really good one, that's for sure. Let's talk about Case Keenum a little bit. From 2013 to 16, he won just nine games for the Rams and the Texans in 24 games, and he threw 24 touchdowns this season. 11 and three as a starting quarterback, and has thrown 21 touchdowns with just seven interceptions. Why is 2017 Case Keenum so much different than the past few years, Case Keenum? Um, I think he's in a better situation. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, the Rams and Texans have kind of struggled the last few years. And, uh, you know, I think he just kind of found a good spot here in Minnesota. You know, he had some, some good playmakers around him, you know, whether it was Dalvin Cook early on or, you know, Adam Thielen and uh, Stephon Diggs are, are good players. And Kyle Rudolph is a, is a star tight end. Um, you know, I, I think it's been a good fit, you know, and I think the offensive system we have with Pat Shermer works well for him. Um, like you said, you know, he's almost replicated his stats this year that he had the last, you know, three or four years. Um, you know, he, he, he does a good job of not turning the ball over. You know, he only has seven interceptions. Um, and he just doesn't make that, that big mistake that, that costs you a game. You know, he, he does well at evading pressure and scrambling around. You know, no one's going to confuse him with, with Michael Vick, you know, running around like that. But he just, he just does just enough to evade the pressure and, and, pretty much live to play another play. Has the defense, the Vikings defense, relieved some of that pressure for Case Keenum, knowing that really if he just doesn't make mistakes, you know the Vikings defense will be able to take, help him out and take care of him a little bit? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what I mean a little bit with, with being in a good situation. You know, Case knows that he doesn't need to go out and score 35 points a game, you know, because our defense most likely isn't going to give up that many. You know, they just pretty much play mistake-free football, just move the, move the ball down the field, move the chains, um, get get points, you know, try and get touchdowns instead of field goals and, and get out to an early lead and then pretty much let the defense go to work. I want to talk about this wide receiving core for the Minnesota Vikings. We talked about we knew the, ta- the talent Stephon Diggs had, but Adam Thielen we really weren't quite sure of, and he's had one heck of a season. Have you noticed anything different about why Thielen has had such a great year this season? Uh, no, I mean he actually had a pretty good year last year. He was he had uh, over 960 yards last year. He was pretty close to a thousand yards, um, you know. So I think maybe some people around the league were a year late, maybe on realizing his talent, um, you know, because he, he did pretty well last year, and then this year he just took it to another another level. Um, he, he's always been talented, you know. Everyone knows his his story, the you know undrafted and you know Minnesota kid, you know taking a different road to get here. Um, but I think those of us in the organization have always kind of known he was a good player and he just needed to get his opportunities. You know, he, he was kind of behind some guys and, 
you know, guys kind of left and shifted around and a spot opened up and he played and played well. And, and here we are two years later and he's, you know, second team all pro. You mentioned the running game was a little different uh, for the Saints in week one. I know you mentioned also the Minnesota Vikings running game was a little different. Saints had Adrian Peterson and Alvin Kamara wasn't getting a lot of touches. Now that you've seen what Ingram and Kamara can do, and also knowing that the Vikings defense, one of the best in the NFL, how do the Vikings game plan for the two-headed monster of Ingram and Kamara? It's funny. That's actually a story I'm working on today. I've talked to a couple guys, uh, you know, about that. I think it takes a team effort. You know, it's not it's not like one guy on our defense is going to be primarily, you know, asked to, to lock those guys down. You know, it's going to be both linebackers, Barr and Kendricks. You know, uh, Harrison Smith will, will come into play from the safety spot. But, you know, obviously the D-line too, you know, the Vikings want to take away the run, you know, first and foremost. I think it's going to be a, be a lot of guys, you know. But it's also, you know, it, that's probably the, the aspect of the game I'm most, interested in watching on Sunday is how we fare against those running backs because how it was in week one is nowhere near how they're playing or how they're, they're what, what the scheme is you know what, what the Saints are running on offense now you know like we said both teams have changed a lot and I think that's maybe where the Saints have changed the most on offense is that you know it's not Drew Brees I mean I know he had a big game last week but it's not Drew Brees throwing for 400 yards a game it's you know they can run the ball they can throw it to the running backs and it's, it's dangerous I know the the running backs will be something to look out for, but also I think the matchup that I'm most looking forward to is Xavier Rhodes and Michael Thomas. What has Rhodes meant to this defense this season? You know, when when you have a shutdown corner, you can you can do so much with your defense. You know, you can put pressure in other areas because you know that you can leave him out there on, on an island. You know, and it's not you know he has, he has you know the accolades and all that, but it's not like he's faced you know, some pretty bad competition and like done well against them. You know, he's faced Julio Jones, held him to, you know, like two catches for 24 yards. Now the week after Julio had 250 receiving yards, you know, he's faced Antonio Brown, held him to, you know, five catches for 60 yards. You know, every week he goes up against the number one guy and, and he, he's proven it week in and week out that he, he can handle that challenge. And he's one of the best in the league at, at shutting down the opponent's top guy. Before I get to some keys for Sunday, the Vikings have a chance to play at home for the remainder of the postseason, including the Super Bowl, something I don't think that has happened in a very long time. I know no one's hosted the Super Bowl and played in it, but as far as controlling home field advantage throughout the rest of the postseason, if you also get some help from Philadelphia and Atlanta, have you heard any of the players talk about that scenario, or are they trying to not look too far ahead here? You know, I think they know it. They, they know it's a possibility in the back of their mind. You know, but but we're we're obviously going to know on Sunday when when kickoff is if we have a chance to play at home. If obviously if Philadelphia loses, then actually both of us, you know, the winner of New Orleans and Minnesota will have the home game the the next week. Um, so I think guys know about it, and I think guys would obviously like that because you know we're we're seven and one at home. You know, our defense only gives up twelve and a half points per game at home. We're obviously a very good team with our loud crowd inside U.S. Bank Stadium. But I think most of the focus is just on Sunday and trying to win on Sunday and take it one week at a time. You know, obviously, if we can play the next three games, you know, with pretty much sleeping in our own bed, that'd be great. But we have to win Sunday to, to have the rest of the dominoes fall into place. All right. In order for a chance to maybe host that NFC championship, give me some keys for Sunday. What will be the difference in Sunday's game on either side? 
I think we, like we talked about, um, I think stopping Kamara and Ingram. Um, I know I said I'm interested in that, and I really think that if we can limit them, then that obviously bodes well for us. But also with the Vikings, I think it's it's moving the ball efficiently and having a couple of explosive plays, you know, sprinkled throughout. You know, we're not we're not a team that you know is going to probably score 50 points a game or anything, but you know we have a, a good stable of playmakers and. If we can just be efficient, you know, move the ball, not turn the ball over, and uh, you know, try to keep our defense off the field and, and rest them up, and then kind of play complementary football. I, th- I think that's a formula that's worked well for us all year, and what we're going to rely on in the playoffs. That's Eric Smith, Vikings team reporter for Vikings.com. Eric, I appreciate the time. Staying warm up there in frigid Minnesota. I know. I think everything, everyone is excited that this game will be played on indoor, indoors on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cold a couple years ago in the playoffs here when we were outside, and we're, we're pretty proud and glad we have an indoor stadium. All right, we'll wrap things up with some Pelicans talk next on the Black and Blue Report. Do it big with your New Orleans Pelicans this Friday night at 7 when the Portland Trailblazers come to the Smoothie King Center. The first 8,000 fans in attendance receive a protein shaker courtesy of Smoothie King. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the fun at 5.30 with live music, inflatable games for the kids, and more. Tickets start as low as $20. Visit pelicans.com to do it big and get your seats today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Let's wrap up today's show with some Pelicans talk. Pelicans and Grizzlies tonight from the FedEx Forum in Memphis, Tennessee. This is the second time these two two teams will meet. Both of them have been in Memphis. First one, remember, was on opening night when the Grizzlies handed the Pelicans their first loss of the season. Of course, it's Wednesday, which means another Wesley Wednesday. And since they are on the road, it means another coffee shop edition of Wesley Wednesday. Here's Sean Kelly and David Wesley previewing tonight's game. Guys, take it away. All right, Daniel, thank you very much. We're back in the coffee shop where it all began this season in Memphis, Tennessee. This is where our, David, our new tradition this year started. Road Wesley Wednesdays, coffee, stats, game notes, Jim Eichenhofer, Will McLaren, everybody hanging out just doing Pelicans basketball stuff. Well, you know what? This is, this is a nice addition to the black and blue. We have a, a studio audience uh, checking out what's going down on the on the Wesley Wednesday. But um, and hopefully this ending will be better than the one to start the season uh, because the Pelicans are going to come out and get a road win against Memphis. Hard to believe that looking back and Memphis won that game on that first that season opener that. Memphis only has won 11 more times since we were here last. That, that's remarkable for a team that has been in the postseason for seven straight years. It, it is remarkable, uh, because, and, but they lost a lot of their grit and grind. And then you take Mike Conley out of the, out of the fold as well. Um, it's tough to win without your guns, and they do not have the guns that they – once had a year ago they don't have the guns they had to begin the season uh and so this could be the end to their run which is which is unfortunate because every year you looked at this team and you said eh, they might they might not and every year they've found that 
groove in the middle of the season or the end of the season that they needed to get into the playoffs and, and usually make a pretty good showing. Yeah, I think Conley's what missed like 26 games or five and 21 without him. It's it's hard to watch. You're right, no doubt. And the Pelicans are trying to take their place in the in the Southwest Division. You know, you've got Houston as to what they are now, and San Antonio too. Um, you know, Dallas has fallen off, obviously, but. You know, it's, it's interesting. We talk about the, the um, unfortunate season that Memphis has had. But, David, here we are as Pelicans, a game over 500, and still in some ways scratching our heads too. We are. I, I feel like, and, and I've been saying this for a while, there's, there's plenty of talent. There, there's, um, you have two of the top players at their position on this team who are still getting their numbers playing together. Drew Holiday has been phenomenal um, after, you know, his first 10 or 15 games. He's been great. I just don't see how this is not playing out better. You got Rondo who has the ability to go out and get 10 assists in a quarter. It looks like fun basketball. It looks like they're having fun. Why is this just a game over 500 and they keep going back and forth? They win three, lose three, win two, lose two. Um, it's got to be frustrating for them. It's frustrating for us to watch, and, and hopefully they can put on some type of run that, that starts separating them from the 500. David, we're going to hit the halfway point of the season Friday. Is this just who this team is, or can this change? What do you see? I, I don't remember what coach said it, but – your record is who you, what it says you are. I, you know, I, 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 I keep feeling like here we go. I keep thinking this is the time, but when it all boils down to it, it's been a 500 team, and it's been a 500 team since Rondo come, came back, and we were all talking about, oh, when Rondo comes back, it's going to get better. Still 500. Uh, they were – 500 or just under 500 since Cousins came back towards the end of the season. Well, they need to play together, and they need to get to know him. Still 500. So right now I, I can't say that this team is better because they haven't quite shown it, and every time there's an opportunity to do that, they find other ways to surprise uh, everyone and play to their competition, play below their competition, and – uh, of course, if you turn the ball over the way they turn the ball over, anything could happen. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? I mean, we could probably have a conversation about how good the win over Detroit was because of the way that game played out. Certainly a week ago on this Wesley Wednesday against the Utah Jazz. And so maybe that's what makes me nuts is I see, you see, all of us see the, the very good, and then it makes the, the very bad seem harder to get your arms around. Well, you know, it, 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 it is. And to go against a team in Minnesota with two days off blows your mind that they would come out with, with you know, I talk about lack of energy, but it's almost indifference to the game. It's, it's we just were here, and they're not really doing the things that, we know that they're supposed to be doing moving the ball, sharing the ball, getting people involved, and they get they're down by 30 to Minnesota on a, on a two days off. Yeah, but hold on. So, yeah go ahead. All right, let me play devil's advocate. 
So you get down by 34 in Minnesota. It looks listless and rudderless, and you get your doors blown off, all right? The next game, Minnesota beats the brakes off the Cavaliers by 30. I mean, just destroys the Cavs. So did you did you get beat by that much better of a team, or do we does the eyeball test still prevail here? When you're going to be in the playoffs, no doubt, when you're probably going to be at least in the Eastern Conference Finals, no doubt, you may not show up for a few regular season games. When you've been to the finals, LeBron, 15 times, when you've, when you've been as a team three straight years, well, in January, maybe you don't bring your best. When you're, when you're, in my mind, have something to prove, when you have something you're striving for, when you're fighting, hanging barely on to the eighth place, and have no tiebreakers, I don't know if you can have that kind of showing and it be the same. There are teams that are going to get beat bad. Golden State has probably taken their share of bad losses. They're going to be in the finals. It's not the same. Well said. Um, Let's switch gears a little bit. DeAndre Liggins joins the team today on a 10-day contract. 6-6. You want to talk about the, the definition of journeyman. Have you looked back on his career since he left Kentucky? It's amazing. 29 years old and he's been all over the world. He has, and, and it, there have been some teams where you thought, oh, uh, okay, he, I can see. I, I can see some things that happening and some positive things happening, and, and then you look up and he's gone or moved on or waved or cut or, or, or whatever. And um, – and hopefully, you know, he comes in with this idea that I need to revive, I need to make a mark, uh, impress, and come in and just put in the work. Um, that's, that's all you can say about guys like him. That's all you can say about D-League, G-League guys. Come in, put the work in, and, and, and hopefully you catch that guy's eye, uh, coach, GM, another team. And, and hopefully find a way where you can stick around for two or three years in, in one place. Fair enough. We'll see what happens in the next ten days. Yeah. Right. We'll see. Yeah. I kind of buried the lead here, as they say, in uh, Jim Eichenhofer's world. Um, Anthony Davis probably won't play tonight. The effects of that would be what, other than the obvious? Uh, a chance for Cousins uh, to lead. Um a chance for this team to not make any excuses. There's still um, guys that, that can play. Uh, maybe um, Shek Diallo gets some minutes to show that he's put in his work um, and that it's paying off. Um, that's no excuse. This Memphis team is beat up and not playing great, but probably will play hard. So you have to match their intensity. You can't get down to this team. This team, uh, over their last seven, scoring 107. So they're they're getting the ball up and down the court. Their previous 18, they scored 92. They're not that team. They're, they're, they're getting it up and down. They're trying to find different ways to win. So um, 
this is no walk in the park, but there's still enough on this team, even without Anthony Davis, to go out and, and get a win. Uh, it's unfortunate, and, and hopefully he won't be out uh, too long. David, is this a must-win tonight for the Pelicans? Can I? I'm being overdramatic here, probably. But is it a must-win based on the fact that Memphis has 12 wins and you've squandered some other opportunities along the way so far? I, 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 you're probably being overdramatic, and I hate to say must-win because don't they all feel like must-wins? Don't, don't they all feel like – and there's been, a, there's been a stretch in the last 15 games where you could say – all the sub 500s, you should beat them. Well, you're 500 yourself. All the teams not playing well, you should beat them. There's been enough of those and enough losses to be very irritated at the end of a, at the end of the night. And there's some some solid wins versus teams above 500. So they all feel and have that feel like, oh, tonight we got to win. Tonight we got to win. Tonight we got to win. Um. So saying that, maybe a little dramatic, they, they have to win this and for all the reasons. Team not playing well, team only won 12 games. You got to win this game. Oh, one last thing. We'll see our good friend Tyreek Evans tonight. You don't think we're going to see his A game against his old team? He is going to be a beast. He's been a beast. He's had a nice stretch um, and – Playing well, playing like the Tyreek we know. We're talking, you know, twenty-five and five, twenty-six and six. You know, he he's going to put up numbers, and he's tough. I mean, he can get into the paint and big shoulders, slow two-step, and finishes. So, uh, shooting the ball well from downtown, he's doing a lot for this team. All in losses, but. He certainly can get you there, and then comes down to execution. Can they out-execute the Pelicans and possibly give them a chance to win? So um, he has certainly upped his stock in the, the, the trading conversations around the league. We are in Memphis, my friend, and uh, earlier this week it would have been Elvis Presley's 83rd birthday. Did you see him? I did, I did not, but I haven't been to any Waffle Houses <laughs> or other places where he might be employed at this point. Um, one can't help but wonder that if, uh, if the king were still alive today, would he come to the game tonight here in his town of Memphis, Tennessee? That, that, that's a really good question. And I heard a comedian uh, make the joke that you never see Elvis in a the, in the workout room. It's always in a bar or some, you know, obscure little spot. Um, but you never – get that sighting somewhere positive. So um, I don't think basketball was his thing, but, you know, basketball wasn't as popular as it is today. Maybe he would come down, sit on the front row, and, and, and be like Jack. David, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Daniel, back to you in Studio B. We look forward to seeing you at home on Friday night when the Pelicans – drop back into the Smoothie King Center briefly to take on the Portland Trailblazers. And we'll, of course, see you on the radio here later on this evening. Thank you very much, guys. Of course, as they mentioned, Anthony Davis doubtful to play tonight with that right ankle sprain. X-rays were negative on the ankle. And 
We hope to see him back on Friday against the Portland Trailblazers. That's the next time you'll hear from us. Actually, it's the next time you'll be able to, to watch us. It's a Facebook Live edition of the Black and Blue Report on Friday. We'll be continue our preview, excuse me, of Saints and Vikings and also get you ready for Pelicans and Trailblazers from the Smoothie King Center tonight. Pelicans and Grizzlies again from the FedEx Forum. I'll have Pelicans warm up for you starting at 6.30. Sean Kelly and Victor Howe will have the call on the radio. News Talk 99.5 WRNO at 7. And Joel Myers, David Wesley, and Jen Hale will have the call on Fox Sports New Orleans. Until Friday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.